for listening you guys i realize it's not easy charlie the dog and i have to listen to these two jokers every day hey you guys what's going on it's episode number 246 now of the ron and don show what is up ron and don nation yeah anyway it's a picture perfect day in the great specific northwest thanks for tuning in to the ron and don show and don't forget we are licensed brokers at windermere and bam we just sold way over in Everett. Bam! We just sold way over in Port Orchard. Bam! We just went on in Normandy Park. Bam! We just went over in... Oh, right down the street on 12th Avenue West. And bam! Last night, we just sold on 65th, right in beautiful Ballard. we got more homes coming on. If you want to sell or buy with us, we got a website. It's called ronadonsitdown.com. Yeah, and I can send you a free buyer's playbook or a free seller's playbook that we ourselves wrote. And it gives us a great place to start when we do our sit-down on a Zoom call. Yeah, so reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. That's Ron at Windermere.com. Now let's get to episode 246. In fact, coming up, we're going to talk about godlessness in America and why some people feel like godlessness in America is actually a good thing as we uh, move into 2021 and 2022. Also, uh, as the COVID epidemic continues... I walked in the store the other day. There was plenty of toilet paper. Uh, there was plenty of sanitized wipes. But where the hell? Where's the ketchup? We'll get to that in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Let's talk about Amazon and what's beginning to happen all over America. A lot of people have wondered, what are we going to do with all these malls that have shut down and that have closed. We think about Northgate, for instance, one of the first malls here in the great Pacific Northwest. And Northgate is very interesting because what they've been able to do with the fast train coming up near Northgate and also with a hockey team coming to Seattle, they've been able to revamp that area. But all over America, it's really interesting. I don't know if you've ever done this. Just just go online and Google. It, and it kind of freaks you out a little bit. It, but just Google abandoned malls and look at some of the pictures and where Ron and I are from in uh, a place like Albuquerque, New Mexico, there are abandoned malls there. In fact, there's one mall there, Winrock Center, a number of years ago, they were down to three stores in a mall that used to have 119 stores. Outdoor malls, like we see here over by University of Washington, U Village, different, very vibrant. You wouldn't think that, especially here where it rains all the time. Why would people support an outdoor mall? You think they want to go indoors. Anyway. Amazon is now stepping in. And Ron, what is Amazon up to here? And are you concerned by it? Well, this is probably one of the biggest ironies that you could possibly think of. And that is Amazon is now buying the places that it put out of business. And and Amazon, of course, taking retail uh, from in-person to online. And if you remember back, if you're you know in our age category, the prevailing wisdom at the time was... Shopping's only one of the things. 
Like you go to the mall and you brought up the, our childhood malls. Part of the reason you went to the mall was to buy something. But the, a bigger part of the reason was you could see your friends there. You could get food. You could socialize. You could, you could walk. You could just sort of browse. It was, I could wear my hammer pants. Leela Higginson will wear her Jordache jeans. I would put my hand in her pocket. She would put her hand in my back pocket and we'd walk around the mall together because we couldn't afford to buy anything. Right. But we'd walk around the mall for hours. You're right. So for a lot of people, it's a social thing. There was, um, senior citizens that would walk, uh, in the morning. Malls would open up, uh, like an hour before. The stores did, and so they would get their uh, steps in. So there was a social element there. And then as we moved online, Amazon, of course, what people realized uh, as soon as you bought something online uh, a few times, like, oh, right, that time where I had to go, and this just happened to me. When I go to four different stores to find a $3 item, like a headphone adapter, like I had to do the other day, you finally just go, screw it. Why am I taking two hours and driving 25 miles for a $3 item? I'm just going to go to Amazon, and I'm going to buy it. Uh, I had to get a really weird chainsaw thing the other day uh, for my chainsaw. And I was like, I'm not driving to six stores to find this chainsaw deal. I went to Amazon. I bought it. Two days later, it gets mailed in. And so that convenience in that the everything store thing uh, has taken over. But now Amazon's trying to ratchet it up again. They would like to be able to deliver their top X number of items, and I don't know if that's 10,000 or 100,000, whatever the X number of items is, and that's what the brick and mortar stores try to do. They want to be able to deliver those in two hours mm. to virtually to, to 90% plus of Americans. To do that, you have to have these distribution centers. And that's why, as a sidebar, it drives me crazy on the distribution of the vaccine and how poorly that's been rolled out, especially in states like Texas and Florida, and even Washington for that matter, when Amazon can know, hey, in zip code 98253, the top thousand items that are bought are these, we're going to just stock those in a distribution center so that it can be delivered in two hours. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I was looking for an adapter the other day. We have a dump truck that uh, my friend Joe and I use, and we just have a little side hustle that we do on the weekends where we like working on houses that we buy, or just old houses. And my friend, uh, my friend from Con Construction loaned me this, si- this big cider trailer because we were taking off the rooftop and we we're taking off the second story of this house over in Magnolia. And we needed the trailer and the talk and the truck to be able to talk to each other, not just the brake lines, but the light lines. So we needed an adapter. And, and that's what we did. We started driving around looking for the adapter, couldn't find it. And then finally said, or we went one place and they're out of it. So we just went online and within, I would say 12 hours, the next day we had the adapter. My son, it's his birthday coming up here. And he's really into boxing, and we need a very specific thing that that he wants to box, this boxing bag. And I wanted to support a local brick-and-mortar store here, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I went online, and then they said, do you want it wrapped? And I'm like, yeah, I want it wrapped. (laughs) I don't want to wrap it. And 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 then they said they could also put it in a box and disguise it. So it doesn't look like it's from this boxing store. It'll look like it's just from a, it'll, it'll just come in an un, unmarked Amazon box. So he won't know it's a birthday gift that there's a wrapped birthday gift inside. And so they've made it so convenient. The selection is so much better and the service is so much better. So, so, I've, so I've tried really hard 
through through this pandemic to support brick right. and mortar. But sometimes it's it's it, it, it has become very hard to support brick and mortar. And 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 the story is they're buying up these malls, as you said, they're turning them into distribution centers. We also see them buying planes. We I, anytime I go to Portland and I come back, you will see tr- semis with eight to 10 Amazon vans on those semis. And at some point, they're going to put the Postal Service and FedEx and UPS, they're going to put them all out of business. Yeah, so that's that's the goal. And whether or not you agree with that goal or whether you think that's exploitating warehouse workers or whatever, that's the argument that's going to continue forward is, is yeah. how do these things develop? But if you're, a, put yourself on the other side of the ledger, you spent hundreds of millions of dollars to acquire land and build this mall. No, I didn't. I'm saying this fictional person. Okay. Um, If you're a company and that was your business model from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and now you have what you think is a super valuable asset that nobody wants. So what happens with that? Mm -hmm. It loses value, loses value. You still got to pay the taxes. You still got to pay the upkeep. You still got to pay security so someone doesn't break in and start living in your mall that's abandoned. You got to pay all the infrastructure and no, you're getting no revenue. So you're looking around going, does anybody want to buy this? We've seen mega churches buy things like these. We've seen municipalities sometimes turn things into convention centers. Uh, or we're seeing this. Amazon says, I need a warehouse. Just so happens that there's an Orange Julius and an escalator in the middle. Doesn't bother me. We, <laughs> we just need a warehouse. That would be awesome if you could if get you an kept or- the Orange Julius. If you could get an Orange Julius. Uh, on your break on every delivery and a hot dog on a stick. Yeah. I think I'd like that. That'd be cool. Any, anyway, I, I think what we're uh, learning and, and just is a sidebar real quick. I also consider Amazon in Seattle as a brick and mortar store. Why? Because their headquarters is here. I don't get the anti Amazon headquarters thing or Microsoft or Boeing or Expedia or Adobe or whatever. They're brick and mortar too. Well, you can, I can go by the building and touch the building. Yeah. That's an Amazon building. There are people that work there that buy money at the, that buy stuff at the grocery store that go to our schools yeah. that buy our houses that, that are, are integral part of our communities. That's brick and mortar too. No, yeah. the, the difference though, and somebody pointed this out to me the other day. They said a lot of the tech workers that come here, because you think about what's happening in our parks and, 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 and what is happening around in Seattle, it's never been worse. The tents have never been worse. The homelessness, all of it, it's never been worse. Uh, we, just, we, we just sold a house last night and someone contacted me and said, so, someone could see the for sale sign out front and someone is in the backyard in the shed, they think living in the shed. Like they just moved into the shed in this backyard. I have a day-do in, in the back of my house that I'm building, and I've had people go into the day-do and sleep. I have a house up on 8th near the university district that's a rental, and while we're building this thing, people would go and they would sleep on the porch, just sleeping on the porch. So so this is happening all over the city. Right down for me, they just cleared out, I'd say seven homes down. They just cleared out some bushes where some guys have been living down there for the, the past two years. And a developer has come in now, and because of the developer – that's what moved those people out. It's not because people in my neighborhood were sick and tired of these guys going uh, through our cars and through our lives and through our garages and through our sheds at night. It was like, oh, there's a developer. So so we're going to make a change and we're going to move these folks, which I think is kind of interesting to me. So, so the tech worker, though, they only come here for three to five years. So they don't have a lot of skin in the game in a lot of these neighborhoods. So they don't show up. 
uh, as concerned citizens at schools or at churches or at synagogues or mosques because they're just kind of here for a short time. And I thought that that was really interesting. It's like it, it, it's like when you have a population that is so transit, I think it's one of the reasons why such a beautiful place like Seattle, uh, it doesn't have sometimes the community spirit or the community backing that we need to tackle some of the big issues that we need to tackle right now, especially what's happening in our parks and what's happening in our neighborhoods. I mean, uh, that's... A little unfair because that's across, and that's not everywhere. That's, that's across everywhere. any vocation, though. It's just it's easier to pick on tech. You could you could say the the ten thousand you know restaurant workers that have moved to Seattle are transient. You could say the ten thousand software engineers. You could say uh, people that have come here and thought they're going to work for Boeing and now Boeing selling all their real estate that they're transient. So it's easier to sort of pick on them because it's so concentrated. But I think if you took any strata, there's going to be a percentage that are transient and a percentage that say, I love this place and I'm going to be a part of my community. Yeah. <sighs> All of a sudden, I just want an orange Julius. Did you get the regular or strawberry? Strawberry. Oh, regular, man. I'm, I'm and the, original. And the grape. I never, grape? See, on I never sides, had a grape. I didn't know about the grape. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It is springtime in the great Pacific Northwest. And you know what that means? A lot of us are going to be traveling and not just by airplane and train. We are going to jump in our cars. We're going to head to Eastern Washington or we're going to head down to Portland or maybe down to California. Before you do that, you want to make sure you stop by a Les Schwab Tire Center. And what they're going to do for you, and they do this absolutely for free. They did it for me the other day. They'll take your car. They're going to put it up in the rack. They're going to inspect the brakes. They want to make sure. That your brakes, when you hit them, that you're ready to stop. That's right, because there'll be a lot of people out on the roads, especially as we head towards spring break. And during spring break, boom, you want to be able to brake. That is so important. Here's the other thing that I love while you're at Le Schwab. Let's say that you need some new tires. Not a big deal, because right now, bundle a special selection of Les Schwab tires, and you can save two hundred dollars you guys that is really amazing in fact the spring tire sale it's the biggest tire sale of the year so how do you find out more how found that location in your neighborhood just go to leschwab.com that's leschwab.com because at leschwab doing the right thing you know it matters life comes at you fast if it's time to downsize upsize or right size your home it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Kim Webb. Hi, I'm Kendall Webb. I'm actually from Colorado. We had always hoped that someday we would be able to move here. And when COVID hit, he was able to request to work remotely permanently. We found a house that we absolutely fell in love with. And so what that created was a situation where, shoot, we're not prepared to sell the house in Duval, but we're, we ha could have to do that quick. We did the Ron and Don sit down. Ron stepped right in, sent us all the comp information. Don sent us a list of all the things that we needed to begin to consider. Don, he was all over my property, uh, helping me uh, get the, the landscaping pulled together, um, making sure that it was going to show well. We ended up placing it on the market where we felt we would be happy. Uh, if we got that number. And as it turned out on offer review day, we had five offers that were well over our expectations. We were absolutely ecstatic 
the sale price was 55k over ask and that just blew us away. They negotiated the absolute best price we could have gotten for that home. We are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 246. And again, as you just heard, we have great clients uh, in real estate. It's pretty incredible in Seattle right now, but people think you can't buy a home, you can. Uh, In fact, we wrote something this week called, uh, well, a lot of people are looking for a cream puff. Those are the crazy homes that you see get 17, 18, 20 offers. There's a lot of homes out there that aren't cream puffs that you could add value to. So that you could paint or you could hire a painter. Those are the kind of homes that only fifty-two percent of the homes. Not only fifty-two percent of the homes went for above asking price last month. Yeah, and so that's that's definitely not every home. Yeah, there's still homes out there that you can buy. You just have to put a little skin in the game, right? A little. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll let you borrow uh, our dump truck. How about that? There you go. In fact, I was. Can I borrow your dump truck? I was just teaching one of our clients how to demo the other day, and once we put the crowbar through the wall, I'm like, I think we're committed now. And he just bought the house last week. <laughs> It's up on my social page, Don O'Neill on uh, Facebook. Let's talk about godlessness, and I want to be really careful uh, about the way that we talk about this because I don't want to be disrespectful to people that belong to a church or a congregation. Uh, I grew up in the church, the Catholic church, the evangelical church, uh, and I had some great experiences, and 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 there's some great things about it. And I think Ramadan is happening right now, so yeah. that is going on as we speak. Yeah. So so think think about this. There's this new article that that we were reading and talks about the fact if you think about and and I'm in my 50s now, so I think about my mom who's in her late 70s. If you think about her parents, uh, of course, no longer with us, but you know, around World War II. 1945, 46, 47 is when my mom was being parented by her parents. It's interesting because, did you read the article? I did. It's fascinating. Okay. It's interesting because when you look at the size of America, we were much smaller, maybe half the population, but about 77 to 80% in some places around the country, 85% of all households in America were somehow connected to a congregation. Uh, whether that be in an evangelical church or whether that be a Catholic church, right? Or me- whether that be a Jewish synagogue or maybe a mosque somewhere. People were connected and the neighborhoods were connected. I thought it was interesting. A couple of years ago, Ron and I went to France and there were so many churches there. But in a lot of these churches, the doors are unlocked. And I'm talking about on the beaches of Normandy, the doors are unlocked. And they don't have church service anymore. But when you walk into these churches, the local communities and villages take incredible care. Weren't you amazed by that? How the incredible oh, the care churches in Europe are amazing. And can you can you explain why they they take such great care of, of these churches that we walked in? And then I'm going to bring it back. Well, I mean, if you could travel through Europe at all, like these buildings, most of them are landmarks. Uh, they're on the National Registry, and they're examples of Gothic architecture or of uh, you know medieval architecture, whatever the era is. And some of them are masterworks uh, of architecture and design. If you got to remember, with no mechanical technology back then, and so the communities 
uh, have these buildings in high esteem. They yep. want them to survive. They want them to, uh, you know, be a part of their community, but they're unchurched. Like they don't necessarily attend the church there. They just care about the historical significance of the building. And so this article that, that you're talking about, the basic premise of it is statistically, the United States is getting less and less churched. Uh, or more and more godless, as they said, quote unquote. And the reason he defines that as when people are surveyed uh, and asked, do you affiliate with a religion? Are you a believer in God? Those numbers are trending downwards and they're as low as they've ever been in the United States. And so he's saying the, the common wisdom was that society would deteriorate, that if people became less and less godless, especially people in our age and older, you go, oh, well, it's going to turn into communist Russia. Because remember, they were an atheist government, and uh, that that government became brutal. And they, you know, millions of people died in World War II, and they were persecuted and sent to labor camps and all this stuff. And so the common wisdom was, if America becomes godless, society is going to crumble. And, you know, charities are going to crumble. Our giving spirit's going to crumble. You know, the, the least of these and hospitals and food banks and all these things are going to crumble uh, if we become more godless. And this article is stating that, in fact, uh, if you look at societies that even are higher than us in godlessness, that that's not necessarily true. The thing with Russia was that it got taken over the void was sold by brutal dictators. That was the the X factor for the brutality. It wasn't the lack of church. It was the the, the uh, enforcement of atheism through a brutal dictatorship. He says, but if you look at, let's say, the Scandinavian countries and even France and England and some of these countries that you just mentioned, um, they are very unchurched and godless, quote unquote. And yet they've said, we're going to have the state Instead of a religious organization step in and have a nonprofit hospital, or instead of a religious organization step in and do a food bank, we're just going to have universal care. So uh, right now, if you're a, a parent of a child that can't afford a procedure, you might go to a Catholic charity's hospital and ask them to help pay the bill because you can't pay. And so from one vantage point, you're saying, isn't that amazing display of charity from, from the Catholic church? Yes, it is. If you're a European, one of these countries I just mentioned, you have the same child, same sickness. You just go to the hospital because you don't have to worry about healthcare, healthcare, you have universal healthcare. And so they say that when you look at it writ large, statistically across the whole population, the countries that actually just have social safety nets, regardless of your religious affiliation, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. You're just a citizen and therefore you get health care or you're a citizen. And so therefore you get the benefit. Those societies actually perform better across health metrics, education metrics, longevity metrics, uh, disease, addiction, the whole thing. And so that that was the surprise is that God fullness or church attendance doesn't necessarily correlate with strength of community or taking care of the least of these. And that to me was just a really interesting thrust of the article. Yeah. To, to me, it comes back to tolerance. Uh, I grew up in the Catholic church. I was an altar boy. There were no altar girls. Uh, all our deacons were male. All our priests were men. All our leaders were men. And, and, and in the, even the way my household was run when we were young, it was like my dad was in charge. And 
And my mom was second fiddle and she was treated like that by my father. Uh, and I know that's not true in all Catholic families, but what was interesting to me growing up in the Catholic church is especially when it came to people that were gay and lesbian. And I didn't know at the time when it, when I was a little boy, anybody that was gay or lesbian, like I wasn't probably even sure what that meant. Uh, and I was also taught that people that went to other churches weren't, weren't going to heaven and they weren't going to purgatory. They were going to hell. And, and, and then in my CCD classes and all that, I was, I was told why it was really confusing to me. And it seemed really unfair. You guys I'm like, wow, that's pretty unfair. You got to be a Catholic. But then I would go back and I'd look and I'm like, well, none of the apostles or disciples were Catholic. So how did they get to heaven? And I would ask, we had a nun by the name of, of Mary. And I would ask uh, sister Mary these questions and she would try to answer them. And some of the questions I would stump her when I was nine, 10, 11 years old. She was my catechism teacher. So here's a donut. Go away. <laughs> yeah. So so what I noticed is there was a real intolerance. Even today with a pope that's pretty progressive. They came he came out the other day and and said that they can't embrace women being priests in the church, that they can't embrace a gay or lesbian lifestyle. So and 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 then they go back to this book in the Bible and 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 so so later on as I got a little older, I went, wow, this doesn't work. And I started going to uh, evangelical church. And what I found in the evangelical church is they would turn back at the Catholic church and go, if you're in the Catholic church, you're not going, you're not going to heaven. Well, why am I not going to heaven? Uh, I would ask in the evangelical church. Well, because you're not saved. I'm like, wow, here's two institutions that are pointing fingers at the other institution. And there's a lot of intolerance in all this. Then what happened is I got older. I had gay and lesbian friends. Uh, Ron and I had a gay agent for a long time and I looked at the beautiful relationship that he had with his husband. I looked at the, the children that he had through surrogates and they had this really amazing, beautiful, cool family. And I, I, and, and I just looked at my wiring and the way that I was wired growing up and the way that I felt specifically about gay and lesbian people. And when I see two men kiss to this day, I still recoil a little bit because of, of the way that my brain was trained growing up in the Catholic church and the evangelical church. And what I learned is that a lot of times these institutions aren't real tolerant. Now we fast forward to today and we see some of the problems that we have, not just around the world, but within the nation or so. And, 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 and the thing is, when sometimes when you re- embrace certain religions, they make the decisions for you. Like the Catholic Church made the decision for me about the way that I was supposed to feel about gay and lesbians and other things I'm not going to go into. Well, they and, didn't and then say the, which e- movies you could watch. Yeah, and then the evangelical church did, did the same thing. And what I've learned, and we talked about this before, that, that, that life is not black and white. That, that we live, we live, as Bruce Hornsby sings about, we live in these fields of gray, and I've talked about that before. That's where I'm trying to be a father to my son. My son likes to pray in Jesus' name because his cousins do, and he goes away there uh, during the summer. And so he asks me every day, sometimes twice a day, to pray in Jesus' name with him. And I do that because it's his bliss, not mine. And that's where he is at at the age of 10, about to turn 11. He wants to pray in Jesus' name. And so I pray with him, even though that's not necessarily what I believe at this point. I still want to embrace his bliss and where he's at and meet him in those fields of gray and, and, and be tolerant with him wanting to pray in Jesus name. Even, even know that, that, that is not where I'm at at 53, 54 years old, but 
most of the people in my family are. And, and, and I honor that. And I think sometimes in the evangelical movement, in the Catholic movement, they don't honor people, right? They don't honor people that don't believe the same way that they do. And that's one of the reasons why we end up in some of the crazy wars that we've ended up in over the decades uh, and really uh, over the lifetime of humankind. So I just, I just as, as I looked at this article, what it said to me, because I still am a very spiritual person. I'm sitting in a yellow chair right now. Uh, we're going to talk on the next episode about what I do in this yellow chair every morning. And a lot of times I weep. I, I wept this morning in, the, in this when I was having this quiet time in this chair. I wept yesterday when, as I was sitting in this chair. So I think there's a difference between spirituality and religion and sometimes church. And when people hear godlessness, it kind of freaks them out. Maybe, maybe let's not get hung up on the term. I still think there's a lot of people, like when I go to a yoga class, to me sometimes there's more... I, I, I feel more of a presence of God in a yoga class than I do when I was growing up uh, in the Catholic church or in the evangelical movement. So anyway, what are your thoughts? Reach out to us on social media. You can find me. I'm Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram and Ron is just Ron Upshaw. We'll see you on the other side of this. started with a Ron and Don sit down to go over the playbook. To get your team playbook, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. If you're ready to sit down now, you can book a time instantly at ronanddonsitdown.com slash calendar. Don't forget to get your Ron and Don playbook instantly. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, uh, welcome back to episode 246. And um, what is there, 360 million Americans. They say that 60 million Americans now have been fully vaccinated. And when this whole COVID-19 thing started about, oh, well, over a year ago, did you ever read why there was a, a, a shortage of, of toilet paper? Like, do you, do you understand why there was a shortage of toilet paper and why people started buying up toilet paper? Did that ever make sense to you? Uh, panic. Like I think panic and, and thinking for, for whatever reason, they were, they're having to shut factories down. Uh, and when China, like so many things go through China, especially raw materials, um, that when China was shutting down factories, these people were saying the supply chains are broken. And so in 30 days or 60 days, we're not going to have paper products, for instance. And so people started hoarding that and then mob behavior took over. And the next thing you know, uh, there was a sellout and a rush on, on toilet paper, which didn't really make a lot of sense, but people did that and you couldn't find it anywhere. But it is true when now that we're a year down the road of so many supply chains were broken and they're starting to be revamped up. I just had, before we did the show today, I had to buy a breaker for an electric electrical panel uh and the one breaker um it, it was 124 dollars mm. if we went back a year ago pre-pandemic you're probably getting that for less than half yeah uh of that cost do you see all the boxes downstairs in my house oh, i do do you see the boxes in the mudroom i do there's also boxes out in a garage i just built that's next to the day do and inside all those boxes is is the guts to the day do. Do you know when I started ordering the guts to the day do? I would probably say months ago. It has I started to be. ordering all the guts eight months ago. Uh, I have a rental up in the U district just to get 
the refrigerator, the dishwasher, just to get the appliance package. It took seven months to get it. So things are a little better now, but because I want to have this day do ready to rock and roll for my mom this summer. And if you don't know what that is, it's just a mother-in-law that I'm building in my backyard for my mom to come stay. Uh, I ordered all those things ahead of time because I wanted to make sure that they were, they were here and that they were ready to go. Uh, there's a bed down there that took five months to to get that bed. So you're right as far as the supply chain goes. I remember this time last year trying to buy my son a bike. Oh my uh, gosh, for his, forever for his birthday, and they cut. And and the supply chains were so broken that they would text me and tell me that the bike was on the truck, and then all of a sudden the bike wouldn't show up, and there'd be and then they would lie to you and they say the bike got damaged. That's always. Right. The bike got damaged. It was on the truck three times. It showed it coming to my house and never made it to my house. Finally, on the fourth time, I figured out the secret and made it. I bought some backyard sheds for one of my rentals. Same thing. The backyard sheds are here. I've got this team together. We got to build these. We have people moving in. And the sheds never showed up. And it was three, four, five. Finally, on the sixth time, we got the shed. And it was the same thing. The the sheds were there, but then they were damaged in transit. And so the latest victim of this is And ketchup. you know they weren't damaged in transit. No, they, they weren't. They, they, the supply chains were supply broken. Chains broken. And, and, and artificial intelligence didn't know that those things were not on those trucks. So, so the latest thing that is broken is ketchup. That's right. And so what, what has happened is, and, and if I'm remembering this right, is... Obviously, restaurants, many restaurants just shut down. So the demand for those little ketchup packets plummeted. Mm. So companies like Heinz is the big one. They control like 70% or something of all the ketchup sales in America. They were like, well, what do we do with all this ketchup? We're going to not put it in in the little uh, packets anymore. We're going to put it in bottles or we're going to put it in, we're going to take these tomato products and do other stuff with it because we don't have any demand for the ketchup. And yeah. so they stopped the production of the packets went way down. Yeah. So now months and months and months go by and now these restaurants are starting to open back up. It's still the number one condiment in America. <laughs> and so they all now need ketchup and there's no ketchup to be bought. Yeah. So these restaurants that have been struggling and hanging on by a thread are now reopening and they talk to you know the mom and pop americana burger joint or breakfast place that serves hash browns any sort of potato product uh people put ketchup on everything they are trying to come up they cannot get ketchup <laughs> and so there's one guy he's like dude we are a heinz restaurant <laughs> said i cannot serve a generic ketchup he's, he's he finally he has employees employees go to the table and before anyone orders they have to apologize and say we do not have heinz ketchup yeah. We have a generic ketchup right now. And oh. then other guys, uh, there was one story that I thought was very funny. He he found these little like one ounce glass bottles. He was trying, it was an upper scale uh, like hamburger joint. And so, you know, the one we were paying 15 bucks for a hamburger. He had his guy in the back take the big bottle of Heinz and pour them into these one ounce bottles. He didn't want plastic or the little you know, cups that you would get at like a fast food place like that. We're, we're more higher class than that. So he said, what was happening is people either a steal the bottle or B uh-huh. they pick it up and throw it away unused. Yeah. And, and so he's going through all the bottles. He can't figure it out. And, and people, they're just trying to figure out a way. Other people don't want you to put the ketchup in the open container because it's open. Mm. And in COVID they're like, Dude, where's the packet? Like you can't, I can't eat my fries 
Where was this opening? Who who put the ketchup in the container? Is it sanitary? Did anybody breathe on it? Is somebody like, is there COVID germs on top of my ketchup? Great. So people like restaurants across America are struggling to meet the ketchup demand. Yeah. Uh, and I feel for them because if you were a mom and pop place and you're trying to revive your business, you got to go out and, and like you weren't carrying ketchup for the last nine months. Right. You're having to go out and buy from scratch. Like you have no supplies. Yeah. My son is a ketchup person. I'm not a ketchup person. He, he wants ketchup on everything. I'm and not a and I have guy. to admit, I was at Ken's Market last night and there were four bottles of ketchup and I bought two. Wow. So now you're hoarding toilet paper and ketchup. You know what? I am. And I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. Anyway. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to episode 246. Sure means a lot to us. And thanks for reaching out to us at ronanddonsitdown.com. And thanks for getting us involved in your real estate journey. It has been a lot of fun. And we are off to an incredible start here in 2021. See fun 2021. See what I did there. Anyway, you need us. Write us. Windermere.com. If you're thinking about buying or selling, maybe you just need an assessment on your property. We did that today. In fact, uh, I think we did that three times this week. We created assessments. We also have a lot of contractors, a lot of people that we can bring to add value, to get your place fixed up, to get it to market. Because you're thinking about selling. Now is a great, and I mean a great time. It's an historical time, you guys. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 247. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>